Hello and welcome to Be a B2B Leader, your B2B knowledge base. I'm your host Felician and today my guest is Cecilia Hamren, the VP of Field Marketing at Tacton Systems. In this episode, we will learn more about marketing in manufacturing, how it's different from SaaS and other industries, and later she will share with us the differences in recruitment for marketing and engineering roles. So, let's get started. Hello Cecilia, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be here. I'm very humbled for the ask. I'm super excited to join. Yeah. So, can you please tell the audience a bit about your background? So, how did your transition from engineering to marketing because yeah not every everybody takes that route <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i i mean i mastered in engineering so that was how i also ended up in the manufacturing industry to start with working within product development uh, and then I felt I wanted to be, I wanted to understand the market better and the customers. So then I moved over working with the same product portfolio, but in a, um, a customer sales company um, for for the same company then, but uh, more in a selling role as a product manager, doing demos, uh, implementing uh, applications, uh, selling, help the salespeople to create quotes uh, and so forth. And then in this role, I also had the the, uh, marketing or especially product marketing um, ownership. Uh, So, uh, and then also as a product manager, you always need to keep track of competitors, what's happening in the business, in the market, what's going on with legislations to fit that up to, you know, be aware of uh, the customers, you know what will affect them in the next two year, a few years, and how you can help them to to mitigate the, their challenges and so forth. So that was also how I then got into marketing uh, and started more on that path. Uh, that's interesting. And what would you say? What should every B two B leader know about marketing in the manufacturing industry? So how is it different from others, and is it special in a way? I mean, uh, I love manufacturing. I've been working in or toward the manufacturing the industry that my whole career. Um, and I mean, I think it's it's so exciting to get to see how things are working. I mean, how a car or a smart one is assembled. Uh, I think it's exciting since it's products we use every day. And, and I guess this is the, the thing. I mean, these companies create or manufacture all the things we have and use on a daily basis the building you live in the car you're driving the train you're traveling on or the x-ray machine you use at the hospital um and i also love the i mean the complexity before i mean years back in the days they were only let's say only doing hardware but now most of those companies also providing Together with the hardware, then it's also software and services uh, bundled to provide the most uh, value or even, you know, for the products to run smoothly over time. And with hardware, they also have this complexity to handle with working with goods, like supply chain, testing, certification, legislations for different regions and locations. And now also with the transformation needed to support the circular business and all our environmental challenges. Uh, I mean, all of them are more transferring into equipment as a service, uh, focused on securing uptime. uh, And that will be very exciting to follow and see how the industry is developing. So I would say it's 
it's it's uh, very complex since they're not just selling software or so they have so many different objectives that are affecting them uh, and then within manufacturing since they i mean nowadays also both doing as i had said hardware software and services there are also then so many different roles uh, so, which we then selling to virtual manufacturing uh, is we need to take into account because all of those are stakeholders for us and will be in one way or another uh, influencing or e- either be the champion or the one signing off the contract. So this means that we need to we need to know their challenges, their pains, measures and KPIs, uh, which can be, you know, it can be everything from a plant manager, it can be a CFO or a CEO uh, from a sales leader. So um, that I think is also making it very very, you know, um, it's both a challenge, but it's also very, you know, interesting if you're genuinely interested in um, understanding other people and their challenges and their everyday job and so forth. So that's, you know, what triggers me to continue, (laughs) I'd say. Yeah, so it's more complex than some people may think because manufacturing isn't, yeah, a small category. It's very complex and it touches basically all part, parts of our lives but yeah exactly and it's it's so many industries as well i mean you have uh, the car uh, or auto automotive industry then you have more heavy vehicles such as bus trucks then a med tech industry is huge with the products they provide uh, we also have a more energy focus like wind turbines um the food processing uh, industry as well i mean it's so many different industries that is all in the manufacturing industry uh you know focused on their mm-hmm. um on their part yeah and like now i have a question because in manufacturing you also have to deal with supply chains and yeah how did you yeah how did you approach this challenge that all supply chains were broken in the last years? Now everything is arriving, yeah, not on time. You have to wait a few more weeks at least. So was that a challenge for the marketing? Yeah, I mean, we're, we, where I work, we're just providing a SaaS platform, uh, mm-hmm. which is used then by, by the manufacturing companies. So we were not affected, our company per se, but of course, all of our customers are heavily affected. So, of course, what we are then uh, are trying to support with our platform is to have them understand how they, in the best way, they can utilize the platform in order to to mitigate these challenges. Uh, and then, uh, also, of course, I mean, it's also an opportunity for us because we can we can help them. Um, to secure pricing margins, uh, have good integrations with ERP and CRM and so forth. So they actually know what goods is available to sell and deliver when and so forth. So, I mean, in that sense, it wasn't a challenge for us as a company per se, but of course for the the business and the market we're selling to. Yeah, I I can imagine because many companies, they just went bankrupt. And it was yeah a huge challenge for those companies that have to sell to those people. Yeah, it's... absolutely. And of course, there are still huge challenges. It's not like it's yeah. it's over. So it will be very interesting to see 
uh, now when it's also starting to prolong what will happen. Absolutely. And what do you think? How will it look like in, let's say, three years? Will we solve this challenge somehow? I don't, I'm not the right person to, to answer, <laughs> unfortunately. It's so many dependencies, you know, with now also we have the war in Ukraine affecting. Mm. Uh, we have, I mean, a uh, lot part of the supply chains are dependent on how the situation in China develops. Uh, so to, to me, it's, I, it's too hard to say. It's not, you know, the, what I'm specifically following, unfortunately. Yeah, like, it's a difficult topic because there are just so many moving things that we have to take into account. And I think that nobody has the answer, really. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to that yeah, marketing to manufacturers, what tactics have you seen the most success with? Because you're responsible for field marketing. So did you create events? Did you, I don't know, run ABM programs? What was it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, for now, the most uh, successful tactics is clearly ABM activities, but it's also, I mean, we're very niched uh, within manufacturing uh, and uh, then focused on complex products. So ABM activities is clearly, uh, for now, the most successful approach uh, we're working with. Then, of course, it's very... I mean, important then that you do uh, the research. And as I talked upon before, you know, you have a good understanding of the personas, what their KPIs are, what their challenges are, what the pains are. So you can, you know, showcase and explain to them how we can bring them uh, value and help them. Uh, and then, of course, it's also the channels. So which channels are they in? Um, there are, of course, specific industry forums. Uh, we, of course, do, you know, email, social and so forth. But it's, it really starts to understand uh, the company and and uh, the persona or person you're targeting. Uh, and I, I have a, you know, very extremely good BDR team, We're, which are very dedicated. They're super good at investigating and you know, trying to to go deep and research and get all the information they ever possibly can find on the company and see, you know, okay, so what uh, what can be we elaborate on here and and what do we find here where we can uh, you know make sure that we're you know really understands them and can speak to where they want to be in the next five to ten years how can we help them to to approach uh, their plan and strategy and and their pain points that's interesting because so you work closely with the btr team yeah the btr team reports yeah. to me actually so uh, that's we awesome. work very closely but then to be honest we're uh, uh, I guess I mean we're we have uh, different marketing teams, but we work mm -hmm. uh, very closely. I would say independently of uh, which team we're in, and then we also uh, work very closely with the uh, account executives for each uh, region. So um, we try to have a close co collaboration across the board. That's awesome. Like I believe that this alignment is the key to success in most companies. Because, uh, yeah, marketing can have a bit different insights, sales have a different ones, BDRs have something different, and if all those parts of the company 
work closely together, then yeah, dreams can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, also our customer success team is great to have for insights um, on also what's going on in the market, but also, uh, you know, where are a few of our customers um, on their journey and with adoption uh, and just get lots of learnings from them as well. So absolutely. it's a, And also, of course, when we... Uh, when we are working on an opportunity, it's it's basically, uh, I mean, the whole company is involved in one way or another. I mean, we have marketing, then we have sales engineering, providing the demo, uh, service sales, uh, looking into, so uh, what's the best, you know, project, how we could provide the best value in, in implementation, uh, finance is, of course, uh, involved as well, as well as sales ops and so forth. So it's really a team effort every every deal we're able to close absolutely i love it like just you talking about this puts a smile on my face (laughs) cecilia what would you say what can marketers learn from engineers so are there any yeah traits characteristics that marketers should look more into yeah i mean i don't uh like to generalize or pick i mean um biases people in different buckets or so but just from my experience and also um i you know i what you've seen and what what's part of also what's part of the engineering education and so forth so i think uh engineering's uh in general are uh, like math and analytics so in that sense i would guess that engineers are more interested in these topics uh which of course given more and more the importance in marketing with the digital transformation we are also see in marketing um and the experience here towards more very techy revenue focused activities this is of course then um a value to have in, in the role and then of course this is also then um, towards the analytical thinking, which is part of this, that I think a lot of the engineers ha- have that also um, a little bit in their backbone. Uh, and as I said, I don't, I mean, I think there are engineers that are really good at those things at the same time as we have marketeers being very good at these as well. So it's really, it's really hard to say, but um, I mean, if you don't take an engineering program, if you don't like math. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that I would think is, of course, uh, very helpful now uh, with the transformation. We see that going so much more, it's so much more tech focused and you need to, uh, yeah, really use this in the best way possible. Um, so that is one thing. Uh, and then also systematic thinking. That's also part, huge part of the engineering uh, education, I would say as well. Then other to mention might be, you know, people working with R&D and development are very used to working in and with specific processes and projects. I mean, because otherwise it won't be working. So project management is usually something that people are very used to. And then, of course, some are not they're really not project managers, but they used to work in projects. Uh, and then, so in that sense, we both have people that are very, very, you know, top-notch on project management. Uh, and then also then in general, people are used to project management and processes. And that is, of course, something 
which I think also, of course, is coming more and more in marketing and might have been lost in the past as well. But it's very important that everything, you know, to fully execute um, works really well. Yeah. And do you think that yeah, marketers should learn a bit more about project management? Because I know that not everybody yeah, learns about it. And yeah, at least from my perspective, it really comes in handy because then you look at the project more holistically and yeah, you can look at it from the business side and not only from yeah your area of expertise. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I worked with too few marketeers to say if it's something that's lacking in marketing in general, uh, I mean, we have a people here, I would say, that's very good at project management with, with doesn't have an engineering degree. So it's, of course, also something that comes naturally to some people and some people think it's more uh, more fun to do. Uh, so unfortunately, I, but of course, it's, I mean, it's a great to be able to say, now we're starting, this is what we're going to achieving, and this is the steps we need to do in order to come so, and then we need to have those deadlines because uh, here then this person needs this in order to um, be able to do their part, then these are the dependencies. So it's, uh, of course, and as you say, of course it helps, I would say, uh, absolutely. And what would you say is the biggest difference between marketers and engineers? Well, it's a little bit, I wouldn't say more on the personal, but more in the, um, on your daily basis and your daily work, I would say failing in marketing doesn't have a get as big impact as it can be if you're engineering or, you know, working with product development or maintaining products uh, or product models in marketing. Usually, I mean, of course things can happen, but Usually, I mean, if you if you fail with the, uh, publishing an ad or something, mm -hmm. you could usually just go back and update and have it. But if you're if you're in, you know, updating a product model and you're doing correctly, that will affect the whole production line and mm -hmm. might cause the production line, you know, and it may be also product the supply chain because this, uh, then the wrong parts won't be delivered at time. So then the whole production line will stand still, which means huge costs and, uh, you know, issues for the whole company. So in that sense, I feel in marketing, uh, it's, you know, it's more easily to just test and try and uh, fail is not a huge thing. Of course, also when I was in engineering, we were like, um, of course, we should be able to fail. It's not, but it's it's different levels of it. You really, sometimes you really, really need to make sure that this is correct. You haven't changed anything that will be, you know, have further effects on the uh, what's coming after you, let's say. Yeah, so marketers can yeah can just do a double check, but engineers should check at least a few more times before they run <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, let's say it that way. And then, of course, also have other people approving and reviewing and so forth. Yeah. Absolutely. And now I would like to go on to the topic of formal education. Because, yeah, I'm a marketer, but I didn't study marketing at all. 
I just went into this yeah this industry and I started loving it. But I know that with engineers, it's not so easy to get a job if you don't have that formal education. So you need a degree. And how is recruiting for a marketing role different from recruiting engineers? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, to me, as you mentioned, to at least in in marketing, it's not as important. Of the, of course, it depends on the role, but the degree you have. Uh, but in engineering, uh, you usually have to have a degree. You need to have certain capabilities or knowledge already when you start a role uh, and know, for instance, how to code, how to provide strength calculation. Mechanical design engineering, such as choosing the appropriate gear or ball bearing uh, for your design, for instance. But in marketing, it's, of course, great with experience and education as well, because then you have a faster uh, ramp up time, let's say, independently. If, I mean, if you're changing a company or a role or so forth. But what I'm really looking for uh, is, especially starting a, a junior position, and also for others, to be honest, is the you know you can easily learn uh, the role uh, and in your day to day work. So when I recruit, I mainly look at two things: uh, that's personality and drive. So if the person uh, has the right drive, they will learn everything they need for the role, especially if you have uh, a company providing onboarding, a dedicated manager, and a helpful team. Then you you will learn. Uh, and to me, people with a great drive, independently of the experience, have been more more fun to work with yeah. and provided more value for the company compared to a more experienced person with less drive and interest, to be honest. So for me, it's very important to find uh, a person uh, with the right personality and, as I said, then uh, with the right drive. Yeah, like the attitude is now more important than ever when it comes to marketing because the marketing we do right now, it, yeah, it wasn't there 10 years ago, let's say. We didn't have the tools. Internet wasn't, yeah, in such a mat mature stage as it is right now. And it's kind of survival of the fittest. You have to adapt or you fall behind. Yeah, yeah. And now, I mean, it's developing so fast with so many new tools, ways to do things, new channels, etc. So absolutely, you really need to be uh, open to to adapt and uh, see the new uh, availabilities and be open, you know, to learn uh, every day. So absolutely. Uh, to me, the drive is, uh, and of course, interest to learn is is super important. When we mentioned those new channels and everything, I'm sure you've heard about the concept of dark social. Absolutely. So, uh, do you try to leverage it in your, at your company? Yeah. I interesting that you're mentioning this because also I think our... Uh, market or business in general are a little bit uh, behind. I, I mean, especially the manufacturing industry is usually not in the forefront of these. But uh, I mean, all of our target personas, all, I mean, most, almost all of them, also especially since we're focused on uh, Europe and North America and these type of regions. I mean, uh, everyone is uh, on one or another social platform. Also, you know, in Asia, there are different ones, but absolutely. Yeah, I heavily, um, you know, believe in, in using this also to educate the market, um, educate uh, your audience um, and, uh, you know, 
try to have them understand how you can bring value for them. Yeah. And do you think that dark social is just kind of like yeah, the, the digital word of mouth? Or do you have a different view on it? I mean, I think it depends. I, I, I highly, you know, uh, I'm all in for contents yeah. and uh, uh, developing, uh, uh, you know, great content, which then can educate your market. I mean, in that sense, I think that can also be he- heavily leveraged in in social. Also, then, of course, making obvious for them to know where to find and so forth. But then just making short and uh, snappy content pieces to to get them aware of uh, uh, what's going on in the market, uh, your brand, uh, your what you provide as a company uh, and so forth. Um also for, I mean, driving adoption. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. also, I mean, it's a lot of product marketing out there that's doing a lot of those, uh, you know, trying to um, to educate uh, their users through social. Uh, and I think that is also, I mean, content and then focusing on, on product-led growth, I think that also can be uh, leveraged uh, through social. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So, Cecilia, what would you say is the biggest takeaway from our conversation today? Um, I would say something we haven't touched upon yet, but what uh, is very specific for uh, manufacturing uh, is uh, also, uh, it's very specific, uh, and we touch, we sort of touched upon this earlier with the manufacturing industry and the personas, but uh, also the demographic here is quite specific. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, we we focus on companies in, in Europe and North America, but all of those, the companies we target are multi-global companies. It was the same in my previous company where I worked for a manufacturing company serving other manufacturing companies. But since we're selling a B2B SaaS platform, which we will be, you know, we are integrating to CRM, ERP, mm-hmm. our target personas uh, are the C-level and then below. And in manufacturing, yeah. most of the C-levels has been working within specific uh, companies for many years. Mm-hmm. So for some uh for some, their whole career and also in different roles. So they know, uh, they're very educated in their business. Uh, they know uh, everything around, you know, their mm-hmm. product. They're providing really, really well uh, and have a great understanding of the f- different parts of the company, mm-hmm. which it might not be the case for other industries. And they're usually also quite tech interested. Um and it's a lot of, uh, on, on the sea level, it's a lot of middle-aged uh, white men. There are a few women, but they're also uh, usually the whole stakeholder group or buying group for, um, for our uh, audience consists of men. So um, just to get an understanding of the demographic, because that can be a little bit different from other industries. And then, of course, also another difference is that a lot of the global manufacturing companies, they didn't start yesterday. These companies mm-hmm. have been around for some time, so even started business before the 19th century and most other companies sometime during the 19th century. So having yeah. that said, it means that most of these companies have been around for some time. They're usually really, really good at their core business and knows everything there is to know. <laughs> and also yeah. since 
their employees tend to stay within the company. A lot of the, the competence and knowledge is handed over uh, in generations since people are staying for plus 20 years. Of course, it's also the backside of this. It also means that their IT landscape started implement very, very early, and it mm-hmm. can be very resource heavy to update. So both economically, but also resource heavy in a sense of a headcount needed for the change. Mm-hmm. It's also a huge change management aspect for, for these type of companies where you have 40,000 employees compared to a company where you have 200 employees to change their CRM system, intranet, or other type of upgrade. So unfortunately, in reality, it can even uh, take up to a decade to implement or roll out a new system. Yeah, that's very interesting. Like, Based on what you just said, I think that yeah, building relationships in the manufacturing industry is the more important than in others, because of that. Yeah, the time that companies have been in the market, the generations that are in the companies, and yeah, all those things that you have to take into account. Yeah, absolutely. And as you, as I mean, uh, then uh, of course, since they stay usually for a long time in the same company, and if they move, they usually move to a similar company. Uh, so absolutely, uh, I would say that's very, I mean, in, in sales in general, it's very important, uh, but uh, definitely for manufacturing, it's absolutely key. Correct. That's awesome. And I mean, at my previous company, we actually were, um, that was the last we wanted to do was to change people moving from working with mm-hmm. one account to another account, because we know, uh, how, huge of a value it was with having trust of the person and uh, uh, also all the learnings and uh, you know you knew who to talk to uh, within the company for different so there we really focused on making sure that we have the the same account team for a specific account year after year absolutely that's interesting like Cecilia I learned a ton about the manufacturing industry because I've never been there. I never worked with a manufacturing company and you shared lots of awesome knowledge that I believe many people will get value out of it. Where can people find you and what does your company do? Yeah, I mean, me, you can easily find on LinkedIn. I think we're only two people with the same name, so it's quite easy just to search. Uh, and uh, yeah, otherwise it's just uh, slash Cecilia Hubbard. Uh, and I love to learn from others. So to me, that's uh, the best way to learn. So I'm super happy to connect, uh, no matter if you're in the manufacturing industry or or not. I'm actually looking to expanding my marketing network since, as as you mentioned, I, I was in engineering and transferred to marketing a few years back. So I don't have a huge um, network, let's say, within uh, within marketing. So uh, I'm really happy to, to get the broader network and learn from others. And then uh, during the days, you'll find me mostly downtown in Stockholm in our Tacton office. And what my what the company do is then that we're providing a slash fat platform within the CPQ space. So CPQ stands for configure price quote. And our niche is B2B enterprises within manufacturing, selling complex products such as a truck, wine turbine, uh, elevator or a bus, for instance. And most of you might have built your own car on a car vendor site. And then we provide that. uh, We 
we provide these type of platforms, but then imagine these other types of products I just mentioned. So, you know, if you're excited to learn more on how to optimize quote to catch processes and be able to create error-free quotes uh, within minutes, I will suggest you to check out tacton.com. Yeah, I will definitely leave links in the podcast description. Perfect. So, Cecilia, thank you very much for today. It was a blast. And see you on LinkedIn. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, thanks for asking me. Humble to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be a B2B Leader. If you liked this episode, make sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Also, if there is something you would like to learn, let me know. After all, we are building a knowledge base for B2B.